This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Rat Sal Review. Today I'm here with Ed Gage. What's going on, Ed Gage? <laughs> Not much. Just another day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah you have a, a very interesting story. Uh, you moved, uh, where are you actually from originally? Because you moved uh, from wherever you were from and moved to LA. So where are you from originally? Long story short, I was born in South Florida, and then I moved to Buffalo, New York when I was when I was just about to turn five years old. Uh-huh. I lived there for 17 years, hated it, <laughs> well, just because of the weather. I mean, yeah, like, I, the snow I, probably I sucks up there. Yeah. It was just the weather, and then I uh, relocated to uh, South Florida when I was 21 uh, to uh, transfer to Florida Atlantic University, where I studied film, and I got my bachelor's degree in film. Uh-huh. while i was there and then uh while i uh while i was after i after i uh graduated i uh took a leap of faith and i moved to la and that'll be six years this coming june and the rest is history <laughs> wow that's pretty cool uh, were you kind of nervous about going out to la because that's you know a huge different scene from uh where you've been I'd say yes and no, to be honest. Like, I mean, I was not nervous because I was, I'm always somebody that's, you know, never to try something new. I mean, I, I can be stubborn with certain things, but, yeah, yeah. but I think, you know, like uh, when my friend had said to me, you know, dude, come with me to LA in the summer, give it a try. And if you like it, stay, you know, I mean, and uh, I thought, you know, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? And I remember, because I, uh, when I was living in Florida, I was friends with a lot of the guys in Ingvay Malmstein's crew, oh, wow. and uh, Kenny Baker. He, well, he's not working with Ingvay anymore, but he was the guitar tech and manager for Ingvay for almost ten years. Mm. I had said to him, "What do you think about me uh, going to LA?" He's like, "You know what, dude? Give it a shot. I mean, you never know until you try it, and if you don't try it, you'll have that what if in the back of your mind the rest of your life." And you know, I'm really glad I took his advice. Right. Right. Yeah, I have. I actually have a friend that uh, actually hitchhiked from New York all the way to California. Really? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he, he, he wanted to be a musician. He actually probably, I think he still is a musician, but he really wanted to get into it and really wanted to go out to L.A. because, you know, New York seems kind of crappy at the time. And, uh, you know, L.A. is the place to be, I guess. So, you know, he tried it too. But yeah. he ended up coming back here anyway. So I don't I don't think it went very well for him. <laughs> you know, I mean, some people, it, it's hit or miss. But, you know, I think it's been said, if you're at least in L.A. for at least a good seven years and you've done quite a bit, I'd say you, you can at least say that she, you made it. I mean, because, you know, if you manage to last that long, that says a lot. Because some people, they'll come out here for like a year, two years, three years, and then they'll be gone after that. Like, I've seen right. people, 
move away and it's sad or even people that then again even people that i have gotten to meet out here that have lived here a long time they've been moving to either if it's florida they've moved to like texas or arizona or vegas or or anywhere else you know Mm -hmm. i mean i mean like uh you know it's computer froze again Hmm. really blessed with being surrounded with good people Uh, the the thing froze zoom froze for a second oh all good um i i I, i'm trying to play back what i said (laughs) (laughs) yeah like uh, yeah la is one of those places it can make you or break you but you know i think the one thing if somebody were to ask me advice you know the best way to you know you know to like you know best piece of advice i can give is to surround yourself with good people because you know right. there's people in la that'll that'll use you there's mm-hmm. people that'll you know want to like see you fail and that watch you stumble and then they'll either or the worst you know they'll take advantage of you they'll use you for your resources and they'll and then when they once the second that they see that you're no longer of use to them they'll drop you just like that that's right. how it is mm-hmm. But luckily, I've been blessed, you know, with being surrounded with some really great people out here, and I, I uh, continue to do so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I see the list of people that you've been working with. Uh, you, you, the last person you worked with was um, Steve Grimmett from um, uh, Grim Reaper. Um, mm-hmm. How did you get to uh, know him? Unfortunately, he passed away. What was that last year? Right. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it was really sad because I remember I was visiting New York when he passed away and I had just gotten out of the movie theater. I was visiting my brother, my, uh, my family out there. And I think I, I had just gotten out of the movie theater. My brother and I had saw a movie and I just see, I just like, it was literally just as like the news started coming out. And I think, uh, I believe, uh, it was, uh, I don't, I think it was Abaddon of Venom, Venom Inc. That had posted about it. It was either Abaddon or Mantis. One of them, uh, like we're friends on Facebook. Like we're like, one of them had posted about it and I said, please tell me that this is a joke. And then they posted a screenshot, I think from Steve's brother's Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then word just started getting around and around. And I just, I didn't know how to take it, man. Cause you know, Steve and I, even though like we didn't, I didn't have the pleasure of knowing him as long as, you know, most people did, but I'm very grateful that I had a friendship with him and how that happened. So how the friendship started, like originally we were just, friends on Facebook. I was just a fan. And then we he started like liking my posts and like my endeavors in LA and all that. Mm-hmm. And then we would just like, you know, chat here and there on social media. And then when he played at the Whiskey A Go Go in 2018, I believe. And then I went up to him and he said, Hey mate, do I know you? And I said, Yeah, I'm Ed Ed Gage. We're friends on Facebook. He's like, oh yeah, Ed, I know I remember you. And he's a uh, such a sweet, such a sweet, very wonderful, humble guy. And, you know, he's one of those people he loved every second that he had with his fans. And, you know, it's very rare to see musicians that are, that were very much like him that just, you know, he didn't, you know, I I don't, I don't think the term forgot where he came from is the right term, but he counted his blessings and, you know, he never took his fans for granted. He always treated his fans like they were his friends or like his family and that's what I really admired about him. He was such like a very wonderful guy. And, you know, he, it was, I had met him after he unfortunately had the amputation. Because right. I, I think about a couple of years before that was when that happened. And I remember 
you know, he was making jokes about the prosthetic leg he had and all that on stage. Mm. And, you know, to see that he was, he didn't make, he still went out on the road and he still toured no matter what and gave it his 150%. You know, I really tremendously respected the hell out of that. And, and, but yeah, aside from being a hardworking musician, just a very outstanding, humble guy. And so we stayed in touch through social media and we were supposed to, I remember I wanted to meet up with him when he was uh, in town in late 2019 before the shutdown. And, but I, I ended up, um, I think I had to do a commercial for Gucci eyewear actually, where I was a heavy metal musician in the commercial, (laughs) really, (laughs) which was pretty, which was pretty cool. And like I had, and so I didn't get a chance to meet with him because it was a night shoot actually at where Amoeba Records used to be in Hollywood. Right. It was a very, really cool, what rare Amoeba Records used to be. It looked very amazing. They had like two floors. They had the first floor, which was all music and vinyl, mm-hmm. and the second floor, which was like all movies, like VHS, DVDs, Blu rays, and all that. All right. But, anyways, and then I think I was supposed to see Steve again in Santa Ana. But then COVID happened, actually. So that eventually led to, you know, I think like during the shutdown, you know, obviously a lot of us had nothing to do. So I was just, you know, mixing some other previously unreleased material that I had, which was for my EP that I put out uh, almost two years ago, Moth to the Flame. Mm. And what happened, but anyways, I just thought to myself, you know, I've always been a huge ACDC fan and, you know, Dirty Deeds, if it, would be such an amazing cover, amazing, amazing song to cover. Mm. But honestly, I wouldn't want to just do it just me. I think I'd have to get some other great people involved. So I already, I already knew that if I told my my bandmates out of Buffalo, uh, Derek Sedota and Nick Moran, they're my guitarist and drummer. I asked them, hey, would you guys want to do a recording and all that? And uh, I remember for a little bit, I. Uh, kept it hidden from them. I wanted to surprise them that, you know, Steve Grimmett and John Gallagher were going to be involved. Mm. <laughs> so they really liked that surprise, which was great. And then uh, I ended up, so I ended up approaching Steve and I said, would you be interested? Since I know a lot of us don't have much to do at the moment, because we recorded it in 2020 and then released it digitally in February, 2021. Right. <clears throat> and so what happened was, uh, so what happened I then, like, so like Steve said, he was down for it. He was interested. And then I approached John Gallagher saying, hey, John, would you want to play bass and maybe do some backup vocals and do the Angus scream at the end? And he said, yeah, I'd love to. And I told him Steve was involved already as it was. And so, yeah, to have like two, you know, greats from the new wave of British heavy metal movement involved was amazing because it was a genre that I really loved growing up like I grew up with like all the bands like you know like Saxon, Raven, Grim Reaper, Praying Mantis, Venom, Iron Maiden and even you know like all those bands that you know because they were of huge impact on the heavy metal movement which eventually influenced the thrash metal movement right right and so to have like uh just even like Steve and John involved in this was amazing and then we just did like a little music video of it too like obviously we we all recorded in different locations uh derek and nick recorded in buffalo and then john and uh steve recorded where they were at in the uk and then we just did like filmed ourselves where we were 
yeah. uh, just for a music video. I mean, I knew it was it wasn't going to be like a big budget music video thing. We just recorded on our phones and all that, just to like. <laughs> and then I added some like really cool like lighting effects to it as yeah. well. And then, and then Mario, like Jordan. Well, Jordan is the one. Jordan Kucharski was the one who did the filming for Derek and Nick and then on like a very high quality camera and then me, Steve and John, we just recorded on our phones. Yeah. And then my friend from uh, Florida Atlantic University, actually, who is also a fellow film major, Mario Benessi, he did the video editing for it. And I just said, I oh, just maybe put like a VHS filter on it to give it some nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then unfortunately, you know, when it came to, Steve's passing. I remember Steve was scheduled to perform in LA with Tim Ripper Owens and uh, who else? Uh, oh, the uh, uh, three tremors. Yeah, the three tremors. And then Sean Peck, Sean Peck was yeah. scheduled for it too. And then also uh, Harry Conklin from was, um, yeah, uh, Jack Panzer. Yeah. yeah, Harry as well. <laughs> and I remember like they were all scheduled to play perform this. And uh, unfortunately i guess the universe had other plans because steve actually i had said to him it'll be great to see you and all that and he said yeah it would be great to see you too uh maybe you could come up on stage and sing see you in hell with me and i was like that would be amazing and to have that to have him even ask me do that mm. like was that was like i almost kind of, i think when i read that i almost it was a bit of a tearjerker for me because it was a I never thought that like a musician that I grew up listening to would ask me to come on stage to do that. I mean, unfortunately it didn't. Yeah. And, but, but, you know, like that's what I liked about Steve is that, you know, I think he was one of those people, he was always willing to give people a chance, you know, and that's what I, that's, and not many musicians, like I said, not many musicians really had the personality that Steve had. Right. And so I still attended that show like with Ripper and Sean and that's uh, Steve performing. And uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was great to at least see Tim. I've always been a huge fan of Tim's work. So that was really cool to see. And, you know, I liked what he did with Judas Priest, even though I'm, I feel that, you know, what Ripper did was very underappreciated for that era of Priest. Yeah. And I feel that he deserves a lot more recognition for what he did. But anyways, yeah, so I had then uh, posted about Steve's passing in social media since, you know, it re he really meant a lot to me in some way, even though I didn't get to know him as much as most people did. But just to even have a recording was, you know, a recording with him. That'll be something that'll stick with me for life. Yeah, of course. And so when I posted about that, an independent label had hit me up uh, out of Seattle, PIG Records, even though their primary genre was punk, but they're not limited to other genres like heavy metal and all that. Hmm. And the founder of the... Uh, <clears throat> The, the, the guy who runs the label, David, he uh, reached out to me and said that he was a huge Grim Reaper fan and he loved the cover and all that and said we would like to do like a maybe like a limited edition last cut vinyl release of this if you'd be interested. I'm like, sure. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. And, you know, because I mean, to say that even if you just can say that you collaborated with a label, you at least worked through a label and had a release through a label, that counts as something, you know, I mean, right. some people can't even it's difficult to get even with an independent label on that yeah. matter. So this was something. And I think that, you know, Steve would be proud that I did this. I mean, at least I hope he is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's really cool. I, I mean, I'm a good, I'm a good, uh, uh, a pretty decent uh, fan of uh, Grim Reaper. I, I actually, the first time I ever heard of Grim Reaper, which probably a lot of people did uh, was Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> <laughs> 
as most people did but for me actually it was a movie called cky which was the movies that bam margera right, right. Had yep, yep. before 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 he really he released like these homemade videos where he would just he and his friends would do stupid shit and all that and i remember the song uh, see you in hell had played in the background of a uh, where Bam Margera and friends were digging a hole in their backyard so his dad would drive his lawnmower into yes, it. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember the song playing in the background. It was so catchy. I think I first heard this in like 2002, 2003, and I'm like, oh, this song is awesome. Yeah. I'm like, who is this? And I remember, uh, I remember uh, what was it? Uh, and I just like heard the song, I like, see you in hell, my friend. And I was just like, this is awesome. And I'm like, who is this? So I looked it up on, I think this is like when, like, AOL, like the program was like still a thing for the internet. <laughs> or like everybody was using like Internet Explorer and Firefox and Safari right, right. and all that. But I remember I then got hooked on Grim Reaper after that. I was already in my becoming a musician at the time. I was already learning guitar. And uh, I remember at that point, like I was discovering a lot of bands that like, like Grim Reaper on that matter. And um, so, yeah, it's, I have to thank Bam Margera for that. <laughs> and, and, and Jackass, you know, too. Right. Like Jackass, was, Jackass had, like, a phenomenal... Jackass and CKY, they had a phenomenal soundtrack, you know? Yeah. Like, with all these bands... Obviously, all these bands, I think that Bam were, like... Bam and, like, all the other guys were influenced. Uh, so, you went to California, at, at Los Angeles, in, in 2017. And you, you got into film and all that. And then you've been on The Mandalorian, Westworld Hunters. Tell me about that. That's pretty awesome. Westworld was one of my very first gigs in Hollywood, as a matter of fact, and I uh, was like working on small budget stuff, too, at the time, just to get some real footage to showcase my acting. But like Westworld, I remember I got booked on that because of my long hair, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, because what happened was I remember uh, I got a call from uh, the casting director that was involved because I didn't have my own agent at the time. I was actually self booking myself. Before I got like it was, I, it took me four years in LA to get an agent. As a matter of right. fact, <clears throat> so what happened was, the casting director had called me up and he said, "Hey, uh, is this Ed?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." Speaking, who's this? And he said, uh, "This is so and so. I'm doing the bookings for Westworld, and we're doing like a a very huge shootout battle scene, and they need some guys with long hair that have you know some." you know, like, uh, some, like, you know, tact- some kind of tactical experience. And so they had said, uh, do you have any experience with firearms? I said, yes, I do. I come from a family background in uh, the military, as a matter of fact. And so, like they said, uh, do you still have your facial hair? I'm like, uh, no, I just shaved it for a gig, as a matter of fact. <laughs> like, uh, oh, no problem. But do you still have your long hair? I'm like, yes, I do. They're like, okay, don't cut. Whatever you do, don't cut your hair. I'm like okay no problem so i remember we, i got booked on like a a week and a half worths of a gig and it was it paid very well too and i remember uh some of us were using some of us were firing blanks some of us just had rubber guns and at first they gave me a rubber gun but then i had to replace somebody that didn't show up and the director of the episode handpicked me and said you we need you i'm like okay <laughs> like i was like like i randomly out of nowhere they just announced we need all the, co- the confederado soldiers with long hair and like i'm literally like the last one just casually walking in <laughs> and the director sees me walking and he's just like you we need you i'm like 
okay? Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, have you ever fired a weapon before? I'm like, yes, sir. Uh, I come from a family background in military and law enforcement and all that. And so they're like, have you ever fired blanks? I'm like, blanks? No. Uh, live rounds? Yes. So, <laughs> so like they said, okay, yeah, then this, we're just going to put you through a quick safety training meeting real quick, and then we're going to get uh, forward with shooting the scene. I'm like, okay. And so they were very particular, like the the armorer had said to me, they're like, okay, so you fire out in this area right here where there's nobody at. Cause like when they do like shootout scenes with blanks, they're firing at absolutely nothing. Or if there's somebody in the shot and they need to make it look like somebody gets shot, they're never aiming it directly at somebody. You always have to aim it to the side. Like, like all those stunt shows you see, whether if it's like water world or like when they had the Miami vice stunt show at universal studios, Hollywood, or like even like Terminator two 3d, and they would use blanks. They never aimed the gun directly at the actor. It was always to the side because even with blanks, shrapnel still comes out. Right. But even like then, even with blanks, you always have to treat it as if it's a, as if it's a, a live firearm. Yeah. Somebody like, should have told uh, Alec Baldwin that a few months ago. Yeah. And believe me, <laughs> I've, I've had some words about that incident. Long story short, that incident could have been completely avoided, oh, you yeah. know, especially after what happened to Brandon Lee. Right, right. So, uh, I think it would, people would have learned from that, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so what happened was we, I was just shooting, we were pretty much just shoot, firing at absolutely nothing. And then when we were, before we were about to do the scene, the armor had said to me, okay, you're going to shoot out there and uh, you're going to like, uh, once they yell cut, you put the gun up against the wall and you do not touch it. I'm like, yes, no problem. But this is the thing when the armorer tells you something or even the director, always do it. Don't yeah. ever question especially when it comes to things like that, you don't ever try to like, you know, make any exceptions or try to do anything your way. Cause especially when it comes to situations like that, safety is an important thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, anything happens, it's, on, it's on you. So, yeah. So what happened was, uh, but at the same time, I got formally introduced to James Marston because we were in the same shot together. And James, I had been, a, I was a huge fan of uh, the X-Men growing up. And so getting to work with Cyclops, I thought it was like, the coolest thing in the world and like uh, i got formally introduced to him he introduced me, himself to me and then he said this is what's going to happen i'm going to come up behind you i'm going to tap you on the shoulder and you're going to move next to me and when i start firing is when you're going to start firing i'm like okay sounds good he's like if you have any questions just don't hesitate to ask me i'm like okay and it was a very fun shoot i remember it was a week and a half longer of a whole shootout scene because they needed me and other parts of the scene too, especially when we were all held up at gunpoint until he let us go. But he, uh, it was a very fun shoot and I met some great people out of it. And I met my drummer from Steel Witch. He actually just moved back to Italy though. Uh, mm-hmm. Steel Witch is my LA band actually. Okay. But, <clears throat> and then so <clears throat> Westworld, like when I got my piece of footage out of that, like of me firing uh, the, uh, the rifle, like it was, I was like, fuck yes. Like I remember, <laughs> People were like messaging me, like even friends from back home, like were sending me like a this shot of me like turning around and like like shooting, and they were like big screen. <laughs> wow, that's cool. It was it was such a surreal feeling to finally see that. And there's a story I'll get to that you know that led me to the writing of a uh, Moth to the Flame, my EP. Right. But the story of Mandalorian was in late 2018. I had auditioned for a commercial. And it was, I was supposed to be a musician in it that was going to perform guitar in it. And I was at the top, like I got a callback for the audition and all that. But then they called me up and I thought this was going to be like the good news that I got the commercial. And then they said to me, 
we like what you did. You've got a great falsetto voice with great guitar playing, but we're going with somebody else. I was like, no. oh, they're <laughs> like, but well, I just wanted to call and tell you, we really appreciate you coming in and auditioning and all that. I'm like, okay, no problem. But I was just like, damn, that sucks. Cause it was like an international commercial too. Oh, really? And so the point of it is, you know, when one door closes, another one opens. So <laughs> one of the casting companies that I'm, I was registered under, <clears throat> they uh, contacted me like after I had submitted for one of their uh, gigs and they said that they needed farmer types and for a costume fitting in late December, 2018, working all throughout January, 2019 for multiple shoot days, paying very well too. Mm. And I thought to myself, huh, I look like a farmer and I could use the money. So, <laughs> so I had no idea what I was signing up for. Like they were very secretive about it. They had a code name. So they said, you are booked on the show Huckleberry uh, <laughs> shooting, uh, shooting these dates and your costume fitting will be this. I'm like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. So I show up to Manhattan Beach Studios in Manhattan Beach, California. And uh, right when I go into the studio, I see Lucasfilm on the side of the truck. And I was like... Mm -hmm no fucking way <laughs> i was like so i thought it was either one star wars related or two indiana jones related right so right. i go in and they actually had to take my phone like they were very secretive about this show like they right. didn't want anything leaked and because you know there was always that one person that ruins it for everybody else right, right, right. Started taking people's phones unless you were like the high up people there like they trusted you more right, right. so i remember <laughs> i go in for my fitting and uh, I see all the like the lineup of costumes in the costume department, and it's all like Star Wars looking armor. I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> and they say the costume people they're like, you know what this is for, right? I'm like, I've got an, I've got a hint, I've got an idea. They're like, this is for uh, a new Star Wars TV series that's in the works for Disney's new streaming platform. And this is before Disney Plus was like even announced. Right. So, so. <clears throat> I go in and like they had to fit me in a wetsuit because some scenes we had to like stand in water and all that like which really? it, it was in january too we were filming so it was like luckily they had they had to heat up the water too hmm. but uh i remember like they fit me in my costume and all that and then at my costume fitting i had met carl weathers and i was like you're carl weathers he's like yes i am i'm like i'm a huge fan of your work i grew up watching you in rocky predator and action jackson and when i told him action jackson because not many people, I think, give him enough credit for that movie. He was like, my man. And he smiled and he gave <laughs> me the firmest handshake ever. And I, and he said, so are you involved with the show? I'm like, yeah, I, and I'm working on episode four, apparently. He's like, oh, I'm not in that one, but you're going to have a blast. The show has been great so far. I'm like, yeah. looking forward to it. And he's like, and he's like, well, hopefully we'll work on a set together one day. He's like, you never know. And I'm like, and then they kind of went our separate ways. I couldn't get a picture because of the whole phone policy and all that but it was a very cool experience because i grew up with a lot of the action movies and all that yeah. that's kind of what inspired me to want to get into acting too <clears throat> and so working on the mandalorian was so much fun i mean i met a lot i made a lot of great friends out of it i made some great connections and even just getting to work with gina carano and you know and even like a the two guys that played the mandalorian and the suit were mainly latif crowder doing all the martial arts work and stunts and Brendan Wayne, John Wayne's grandson, who was doing all the gunslinging stuff, a lot of the body acting. Wow. Pedro Pascal was mostly 
just doing voiceover work for the character and until unless if he was unmasked for the for the scene mm. and so what happened uh was we had to do like a huge battle scene and like and all that stuff and when i got like footage of me shooting a blaster that was all i was waiting for when the release came out but like um <laughs> i think the one piece of footage I, that wound up on the cutting room floor i wish would have made it out was in the beginning of the episode we're getting shot at by like the atst it's that big thing that walks on two legs mm -hmm. There was a shot where I slipped into the, I fell into the water where one of the explosion charges was, and I wasn't acting. I was literally panicking, getting out of there. Oh, no. And the the uh, the um the guy who did all the explosion effects, like he purposely blew it up behind me, oh, and I could just feel the explosion. <laughs> and I watched the playback footage, and I see it, and I said. If they don't use this, I'll be really fucking pissed. Uh, <laughs> they didn't use it, but you know, I'm not mad at the end of the day. I still got yeah. some great footage with the shooting a blaster that I used towards, you know, feature footage and all that. Yeah. <clears throat> so still I on the show, so. did you get the did you wear a mask or you have your face and you actually know who you are? My face is shown. People okay. like I haven't watched the show yet. I I watched like one one episode, but I gotta I have to watch it. Yeah, I was clean shaved and like I had like hair extensions that went down to here. Like they, right. they put like they put like these these like braids like they like inserted these braids into my hair and all that. Mm. And it was really cool because I remember one morning I'll, we would have early morning call times at like five in the morning. So a lot of us were like half asleep. But I remember my makeup artist was a guy named Chris Nelson who did all the spe a lot of the special effects for the newest Halloween movies. Oh, wow. And I didn't recognize him. And Chris uh, Nelson was also uh, one of the cops that gets killed in Halloween 2018. Hmm. And what happened was I remember like I had said to him, yeah, like I'm a big horror fan. And all he's like, oh, I did makeup on makeup effects on the new Halloween. I'm like, oh, really? Like I didn't I knew who he was, but I didn't recognize him because I was so half asleep. <laughs> I remember in 2021, my wife and I went to like a an outdoor like little convention event that they were doing in South Pasadena where they shot Halloween, the original oh, okay. and like uh, right behind where the Myers house is actually placed at. Oh, wow. And like PJ souls, who's also a good friend of mine. She's one of the stars from Halloween. She like was there and all that. But anyways, Chris was there and I said, Hey, Chris, did you do makeup for the Mandalorian by any chance? He's like, yes, I did. I'm like, you did my makeup. And I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was half asleep. When he did it, I didn't wreck I'm sorry, I didn't even put the two to two together. He's like, no, dude, it's all good. We were all tired. So. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't <laughs> you. Yeah, no, I mean, like, well, I mean, sometimes, like, I look different. I'll have, like, my hair down or I'll have uh, it up or I'll have facial hair. My look changes a lot. So some people, they'll be like, they'll be like Ed? And they'll be like, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, I didn't almost didn't recognize you. Uh, yeah. So, like, it was a lot of fun. And, like, the shoot was just... An absolute blast. The food was great too, of course. Right. Yeah, I would imagine. Even like Gina, working with Gina Carano, such a sweetheart. And you know, I mean, I even though despite the whole stuff that happened in the media and all that, all I can say is, you know, she was nothing but kind, professional, very outgoing, and very friendly on set. And she didn't treat anybody like you know, like that. You know, any like she was better than anybody. She treated everybody like an equal, and you know, that's what I really liked about it. And like mm -hmm. we were conversations about martial arts and all that because even though i hadn't gotten involved in the martial arts yet i was still a fan of martial arts films and all that so i was asking her about her professional fighting career and all that too mm. and it was a 
it was a lot of fun. But and then as for hunters, you know, hunters was like, you know, pretty much the same thing. You know, I got called in because they needed my particular look for it. And I got to get killed by Josh Redner on, on camera, which is pretty cool. That's cool. And, uh, so far, my biggest lead role I've had was a music video for the rap group Cypress Hill. Oh, really? And uh, how that happened was kind of like similar thing. I, well, I actually had did, I did the Cypress Hill music video before I did the Mandalorian. Mm. And uh, I remember summer 2018 towards the end like i was just having a really bad summer it wasn't going well like uh like a lot of personal problems were going on but anyways i always think of it like this you know going through hardships you know suck at times but you know what when you go through some hardships something good can come right out of it or something you know good is going to happen immediately after and that's what i like to believe in and and so i remember with, since I was, like I said, I didn't have an agent at the time. So I was self-submitting myself for work like crazy through all like the, uh, you know, role submission programs that I was a part of, like, like Actors Access, Casting Networks, all these things. And that's how I would get my work was like being my own agent practically. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had submitted to a submission. They said it was for a music video and they needed uh, robbers and bystanders. So I just like just submit submit pretty much submitted to both and the producer had called me up and he was like hey is this Ed Gage I'm like speaking who's this and he's like my name is so and so I uh am the producer of the music video you submitted to be a robber and a bystander to I'm like oh yeah yeah he's like the director likes your look and he um wants you to be like one of the main, like one of the main roles in the music video, you'd be like uh, the dispensary owner, but do you have any experience with firearms? And kind of like what I said with Westworld, I said, yeah, I have a family background in both the military and law enforcement. And they're like, okay, great. Are you available these two shooting days paying this much? And the pay was phenomenal too. So I couldn't say no. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it works. They're like, okay, great. We've got you locked in on this. We've pretty much have you all set. And by the way, this is actually going to be a, for a music video for the rap group Cypress Hill. And I was like, holy shit. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for reaching out. I'm excited for it. And I, cause I, I was familiar with, you know, Cypress Hill because of their hit insane. Right. Yeah, yeah. And also because they appeared on the soundtrack for the movie last action hero, which oh, was right. one of my, one yeah, of my yeah, favorite yeah. movies. Yeah. Good soundtrack. So, too. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And so, I got to do that. And I remember the first day of shooting, like uh, first day of shooting, we didn't film much of me, but the second day was where we covered pretty much all of me. We shot some of it at B Reels Dispensary in Silmar, and then we shot some of it in uh, like Skid Row in LA. So right. it was in down near downtown, which was in downtown, which was great. But like, I remember the second day when we were at B Reels Dispensary, he was there that day. And we were just talking about bands and all that. And he was telling me of like when he hung out with like Pantera back in the nineties and all that. And yeah, so somehow they kind of got like mixed in with like the metal crowd. A they did. Bit, yeah, yeah, they did. Like they, they, they love metal bands. They're actually big metal fans as a matter of fact. Right. So that's why they got a following with the metal heads too. So, and then a month later, a month before the music video had dropped, we all had watched a rough cut of it. And we, me, the direct, me and the director got invited to 
got like VIP like invitation to uh, Cypress Hills show at the El Rey Theater in uh, LA. And I remember after the show was over, like we uh, went backstage and all that. And then they all were like, dude, you killed it in that video. You're amazing. And I think uh, uh, Send Dog had said to me, uh, you look like a young Sean Penn. And I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> Everybody compares me to either like a young Sean Penn or like a Bradley Cooper and all that. Really? Which, I, yeah, ironically enough, this past year, I landed a role in a movie where I portrayed a very slapstick version of Sean Penn, actually, which is funny. Oh, wow. It was bound to happen eventually. So, are, yeah. you, are you a fan of Sean Peck? I mean, uh, Sean yeah. Peck, uh, Sean Penn. Because <laughs> Sean Peck on my mind. Two people, two different people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> completely like different Peck. people. <laughs> no, I'm a fan of Sean Peck, too. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, but like, uh, but uh, Sean Penn, yeah, like, uh, I think my first film I ever watched with him was Fast Times at Regiment High. Okay. And it was funny because... When I auditioned for this role, I did two things. I auditioned portraying him in an interview I, he did. I think it was, a, I don't remember if it was a Conan O'Brien interview or a David Letterman interview I had watched. Because sometimes if I'm going to portray, especially like if I'm portraying somebody that actually exists, I really want to nail that character mm. and be like them as much as possible. Kind of like how... Uh, What's his name? Austin, who portrayed Elvis. He was like very into the character or like even like how Jim Morris, like uh, Val Kilmer was with Jim Morrison or and all that. What's the guy that played so, uh, Freddie, uh, Freddie Mercury? <coughs> I can't remember uh, his name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, geez, how do I not know these names? I, I know I talk about these names a lot. and I. <laughs> but yeah, so and then also I then did an, a second clip to show to the director doing uh jeff spicoli from uh fast homies at richmond high and mm-hmm. right then and there like she just said you're hired the director the director she was in the movie uh crank high voltage with jason statham as a matter of fact and so i was actually i actually had enjoyed that movie too so i had asked her about working with statham and all that and she had some really cool stories to tell but it was a fun set getting to work with her it was like a very slapstick comedy about you know uh about they call it it's called a movie called that's going to come out called f-listers and kind of like you know how like there's a-listers and b-listers and f-listers you know like it's like kind of like parroting like not like parroting but giving some recognition to like the smaller up-and-coming actors that are striving to like you know make ends meet and all that and it was it's i'm excited to see how that movie comes out i got to meet John Otrin, he's an actor who was in Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, who plays the father of the main actress in the film. He also was in MASH, the TV series. He was in Missing in Action 2 with Chuck Norris. And me being a martial artist, I asked him about working with Chuck and all that. And he had a lot of great stories to tell. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, like I've got so much. I've done so much in my uh, acting career and even music, too. You know, I mean, but anyways, which reminds me, bef- but like before I get into the topic of Moth to the Flame, what happened? Like, uh, uh, there was a part I was getting at with it. Oh, yeah. So I actually am considering maybe starting to write a book on this. I mean, I'm no, like, I've, as I've said on social media, I'm no A lister or B lister. Yeah. I'm not playing arenas or stages, like, you know, stadiums or anything like that. But, you know, I've got so much that I've, done in, in my in my career especially in Hollywood and you know especially with my youth growing up I had a very 
rough upbringing, you know, with uh, a lot of things that happened. I'd like to do a book and I actually already have a title and name for it called Redemption, you know, because I did, I got, I could go on and on about what happened in my youth before, long before I'd gotten, I went off to college and, you know, got yeah. involved in Hollywood. But if Redemption, I want to be able to show my redemption story and to like tell people that it's never too late to turn your life around, you know, you know, even especially, you know, I know kids are kids and all that, but I really went down, nearly went down a bad path. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had, I probably could have used any excuse to gone down, go down a bad path, but I didn't. Right. And I made a huge turnaround for myself and I'm very grateful for that. That's good. Yeah. So that's why I want to write a book, you know, about a bit about my upbringing, but then show, then telling my Hollywood stories and like my stories in film and music and in the martial arts world too. And showing people that, you know, hard times are, are can definitely happen, but no matter how li- how hard life can be, it's never too late to, you know, make, you know, make good decisions, you know, make turnarounds and, you know, change for the better. Yeah. So that's why I want to like start writing a book. And I honestly, I think it's probably best I start writing it now before I start forgetting a lot of these. <laughs> You've got to get a tape recorder and record yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. So the story of my EP moth to the flame uh, comes from uh, when I appeared in Westworld when the episode aired in May, 2018 and I had posted about it on social media. I had people that either one, I had never heard from Mm. in my entire life or two people that never gave me the time of the day or never even bothered speaking to me for so long, all of a sudden reaching out and saying, asking me for favors, you know, asking for this and that. And now all of a sudden they're paying attention to me. And I'm like, it's like with one particular person, I was like, dude, you gave me a hard time back then and you want my help. Like, fuck you. Like, I mean, I know that, I know it's very blunt just saying that, but it's like, I think it's it's justified though, because you know, they're, they're coming to you for something (laughs) and they didn't give a shit about you beforehand. So too bad. (laughs) You know, exactly. And it's funny you say it like that, because that's kind of what leads to the concept of moth to the flame. So a bass player I had already befriended and became friends with a guy named Rick Fox who was in a band called Steeler, which was Ingve Malmsteen and Ron Keel's first band. And uh, Rick was also in the early formation days of Wasp before Chris Holmes got involved in the band, as a matter of fact. And so Rick and I had performed together at the Viper Room, and we became really good friends after we met each other at the NAMM convention in Anaheim, mainly because uh, we had like a couple of mutual friends and all that, so that's how it happened. And he had posted a social media post saying who can play uh, these ACDC songs uh, trying to get a band together for uh, a benefit show at the Viper room. And I immediately, I was like one of the first people to raise my hand <laughs> and I messaged him and he messaged me and said, Ed, are you sure you can play these songs? I'm like hundred percent. I was in a, I was actually in an ACDC tribute band at the age of 12 years old. He's yeah. like, okay, let's do this then. So, so what happened was, uh, we became really good friends after we did that show together. And, you know, I met his wife who unfortunately passed away almost a year ago, Tamara Fox and both Rick and Tamara became very much like the uncle and aunt that I never had in life. So they became very much like family. So Rick and I, you know, I remember we, uh, I think we were, I forgot where we had this conversation at. like it was in person. I don't know if it was on phone or in person. Like he probably would remember uh, if anything, 
But I remember I, I think I had vented out to him like saying, you know, like a lot of these people are that had never acknowledged me or gave me the time of the day. Now, all of a sudden, they want something from me. They want a piece of the action and all that. And the one thing he said to me was this. When people see that you're doing well in life and they see that you're making something of yourself, they're going to have a dangerous attraction to you like a moth to the flame. And I said, I looked right at him and I said, Rick, we need to write about that. <laughs> and that was how it all started. Yeah. And so we kind of came up, I kind of gave him ideas of the concept and all that. He's actually the one that helped write the lyrics to it. Okay. He was like best with that. And he helped write the lyrics to that. And then, and like, he like was able to like put everything all together. And I looked at it. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is perfect. It's such a great concept that I bet so many people can relate with. So, and then we worked on the musical parts together too. We were getting together at his house and like going over it. And then by the summertime, I think was when summer 2018, July, 2018 was when we finally got down to recording the track, even though I didn't release it for three years, I just had it shelved for so long. Mm -hmm. And because I was wanting to like record more and like do other stuff because Derek and Nick weren't in the band at the time I had recorded until until like later in the year in late 2018 they became my bandmates so i didn't know if i wanted to re-record it or like with but like bringing rick back to like re-record his bass and all that but at the same time i was like i don't know i don't want to go through all that hell and then the pandemic hit and i just kept waiting to release it and all that but i thought to myself you know what this year i'm gonna finally just even if it's just a few songs release an ep of it so we finally got it out mm. and i really have to thank rick for that and you know and, you know, and what was so funny with Rick is Rick appears in that heavy metal documentary, Decline of Western Civilization 2. Oh, yeah. And I remember one thing, I watched it when I was like maybe 12 or 13. And, you know, in my youth, I didn't have many friends in my youth. You know, obviously, I dealt with a lot, you know, like uh, in my youth, like, you know, one of those contributions you know being my parents divorce which was very ugly there's a very ugly truth behind it which i'll eventually put in my book mm. but it kind of less it led to me like losing a lot of friends unfortunately mm. you know, something that wasn't in my control like my life in my youth you know long story short i got pretty much robbed of my youth especially my my teen years right. like uh because of um of a lot of that a lot of what happened but so i remember it's so crazy how this happened. I watched this documentary on VH1 Classic and when VH1 Classic was still around before it turned into MTV Classic. And I remember one question that a lot of these musicians got asked were, what if you don't make it? And I remember the one that stuck out to me the most was the quote, that question is out of my mind. The minute you doubt is the minute you lose it. And that was Rick. Mm. And ironically enough, I met Rick years later, you know, when I at Nam, and it was crazy because he also knew another musician friend of mine, a guy named John Alton, who did music for the Sleepaway Camp movies. Okay. And uh, and then, like I remember when I then put the two and two together, you know, Rick being in Steeler, working with Ingve and Ron Keel, and then also being in the early days of Wasp, and I was already a huge Wasp fan. And then also seeing a picture of him in decline of Western civilization. I actually then had said to him, I'm like, you know, Rick, I want to tell you something. I saw you as a little kid when I was 12 on VH1 Classic and what you said stood out to me the most. And I have to thank you for that. 
And, you know, it's just, I've been so blessed with everybody I've worked with, whether if it's in music, film, or even in the martial arts world, everybody I've gotten to work with, or even me, you know, like martial arts names like Benny the Jet Rakitez or Don the Dragon Wilson, who worked in a lot of movies back then. Mm-hmm. Benny worked with Patrick Swayze for Roadhouse. He trained him for Roadhouse. Don Wilson was a pro kickboxing champion turned actor. He did Batman Forever mm-hmm. and a lot of other stuff. And then another guy I met named Danny Lopez. He did stunts for like Mortal Kombat, Minority Report. And then I also worked with another guy, Patrick Kilpatrick. He was the villain in one of Jean-Claude Van Damme's movies, Death Warrant. He was also a villain in Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I've got, and then he was also in Minority Report with Tom Cruise too, which was a Spielberg movie. So, you know, I've, I could go on and on about everything I've done and worked with it's like i've been so blessed with everybody i've met worked with or just even been in or even just been in the same room with on that matter wow but yeah that's cool i'm, I'm glad like because i don't want to go into the whole story about your you because if you put that the book then nobody's gonna want to read the book but uh yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah that's i'm that's, i'm glad to hear that you know your life has gotten so much better since you know that time and and it, that's great you know and yeah. like you say, you know, you, there's always, if, even if something does bad happen, there is always going to, well, usually for most people, it does get better somewhere down the line. And you're, you know, you're proof of that. So, yeah. And, you know, I mean, there's, and, you know, I was a victim of bullying in my youth. I was dealing with a bad home, like, you know, a really rough home life with it as it is. I mean, long story short, you know, I mean, I kind of have been vocal about it to the public, but I had a very, abusive mother figure in my life mm. and that's all i'll say like the rest of the details i'll probably put in the book but anyways it's like when you have one of your parental figures doing things like that to you it especially in your youth it really affects your upbringing and you know it's very important and crucial for a child to have a really good upbringing but you know when i've told people like the details behind it they just it shocks them to the point where they're like dude how like it's amazing you are where you are today despite all this happening yeah yeah some and, people know, don't make it that far you know especially some people, stuff like that so. some people don't have the strength to do it but you know i'm that's why i'm one of those people i try to empower people that go through these kinds of things whether if it's bullying or you know abuse at home or you know anything on that matter you know any but you know in the end of the days you know we're not victims we're survivors and we're stronger from what we've dealt with yeah. and you know I've, you know, participated in anti-bullying organizations as well, because I'm a, I'm an advocate for standing against bullying. Mm. And I remember, and even like, even like people, I even, even, I even had to deal with a psychotic stalker too, which is even more, even more (laughs) bizarre. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's like, this guy is like a full grown adult, like, you know, and this guy was like slandering me on the internet, making up some of the most absurd claims about me that like, you know, like making like, you know, like homophobic slurs about me that weren't even true. And it's like, are you serious, dude? It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, it's like this guy, it's like this guy's pushing 30 he lives at home with his parents and he's doing things like this. It's like, why are you doing this? Like what? It's like, it's one of those things, you know, I, I try to feel bad for these people, but I can't, I just pity them. Cause it's like, you know, they choose to be like this and it's, it's like, you know, instead of turning your negatives into a positive, you do things like this. And it's like, I, I, I can't comprehend with it. And that's why, you know, I support people that, you know, are victims of, you know, 
abused, victims of bullying, or even victims of stalkers on that matter. Because, you know, even my agent was, you know, putting out to all of his clients, if you're dealing with a stalker, you need to let me know immediately and get it taken care of. Because, like, there's even, like, I've even, like, you know, there's even, like, I think uh, a couple of my agent's clients, they were dealing with people that were even getting followed to their car by psychotic fans. And it's, it's bizarre. It's a very fucked up world out there. But long story short, you know, I mean, I've always been one of those people I try to empower people because, you know, when I see people going through things like this, I, it reminds me of me. And, you know, I don't like seeing people, you know, going through these things because, you know, it, it's like a constant reminder and it takes me back to what I had to deal with. So that's why I try to empower people through these things, Especially, especially our youth too, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. I, I have a six-year-old, and that was my niece that came went by screaming. Before. Oh, really? But yeah, so <laughs> I, you know, I worry about them too because it's. I, and I know my parents were always worried about me too when I was growing up because of, you know just how the world is, and and I'm I'm worried yeah. about him too. But you know, hopefully, I, I me and my wife, you know, we teach them the right ways of things to do and what not to do, and hopefully everything's all right. But absolutely, never know. I mean, I was picked on when I was a kid too, so you you never know. Yeah, and you know, even and you know, what's even more baffling is you know. Me being a musician, I feel like I have to put it out there is, you know, because when I first got involved in the music scene, I thought that this was like a haven for metalheads, for people to come together, you know, for the mutual interests. And I was, I definitely was wrong about that because yeah. eventually I started dealing with <laughs> bullying in the scene. Yeah, there's and some it's jerks like, out there. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like, why? It's like, we're, we're all, we all have the same interests. We're all here for the same purpose you know it's like yeah. what's what's the point behind all of it? yeah you and think so it, but there's always those elitists out there that you know oh absolutely they're the worst <laughs> and you know it's funny because i remember one of my friends has gone on to become the bassist of niall and yeah. i remember that he's even told me that there's people that are waiting to see him stumble and fall and i say to him dude uh his name's julian his name's julian i've said to him dude you're doing it you're you've got an awesome th- thing going for you man and you know dude you've earned it i mean and honestly this guy like he was working at guitar center and selling me gear when i was living in florida and now i to see him with like a really well-known uh band you know he's earned it he's earned for sure and when i see good things happening to good people it makes me very happy and you know like when i see people that have worked so hard to get to where they are it inspires me you know whereas like some people they get jealous you know there's people just jealous they they have this mentality that they're where they're like oh why does he have this why does he right. have that he, he's not deserving of that it's like well it's because they've worked for it exactly they yeah. worked their asses off for it because yeah. they've had that that ambition for it it's like maybe rather than be you know rather than being jealous about it if you're not happy with the way things are in your life make a difference right yeah exactly and a lot of people don't understand that and they just like to be you know the asshole they are but yeah exactly <laughs> one day they'll grow up but uh yeah but uh do you have any music being worked on now that'll be coming out this year or next year or what's going on with the, the music so i'm trying to like get into like back into the writing mode and all that but like i've just been so tied up lately with other things you know but like i'm i've got like some songwriting ideas you know and all that i don't want to like spoil i don't even want to spoil the concepts behind them you know of course you know there's always gonna be somebody out there that's gonna take that idea and all <laughs> but i've got i've got some ideas up my sleeve and i mean i've still got derek and nick on board for it i've got some new equipment and all that where i can record at home you know for the demos and all that and everybody can record wherever they are um mm. 
I do want to have John Gallagher involved in future recordings when he's not touring with Raven and not recording with Raven too. And mm -hmm. John and I, since we're really good friends, you know, I think would be willing to do it. So we'll see what happens with that. And, but I'm right. I'm, I'm, I'd say as of right now, I'm in the writing stages when we're going to record, I guess is to be determined, but I've got something great going both in music, film and martial arts as of, uh, as of currently. So I'm really mm -hmm. happy with where life is heading. All right, cool. You're very busy then. Try to be. <laughs> That's, <laughs> Try the, way to, That's yeah. the way to be. Uh, so where can people go to find uh, your music? Do you have a website, uh, social media? Yeah, I've got, I'm on Facebook. Uh, like, um, I would say Facebook. Like, let me look at my uh, hat, my, my handle real quick. Like, oh, I, can Most I can never, <laughs> I can never I can never remember the handle on Facebook. Of Nobody things. does because it's always got to because always somebody's always um, taking it, and then you got to yeah. put like a metal or like band or like yeah. one or whatever at something stupid. <laughs> yeah. So, so on Facebook, I have a Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com/slash Ed Gage Actor Musician, oh, or 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 you can find me on my my profile. I mean, I'm close to the five thousand limit, which it wow. sucks because every time I I've got a bump ups inactive profiles or people that are no longer in touch with me yeah, but then i've got that. Make a second profile <laughs> yeah well i mean i've got i've got the public page too where people can go and oh, follow okay. it like and like it so yeah, i've got yeah, that yeah. still and then i'm on instagram at mr ed gage mr dot ed underscore gage i know it's complicated <laughs> but if you find if you type in ed gage you'll you'll know who i am you'll be you'll, there you'll see you'll see me it's hard I, it's hard to miss me all and right. then I, I'm also on Twitter at Mr. Ed Gage. I'm also on Spotify. I'm on Apple Music, Amazon. I'm on a lot of the streaming services and all that. I'm on Bandcamp as well, edgage.bandcamp.com. And like, yeah, and then even on IMDb, if you want to see my past film work, I'm on, I'm on IMDb as well. Oh. So like, yeah, I'm, You're I everywhere. try to put, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I try to, try to be every, no pun intended, everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> that's the way to be i mean you're between being in the music uh scene and then also with the the acting scene you got to do everything and, and be everywhere yeah, so absolutely so everybody please go check out ed gage go check out his music and go watch some of the shows that he's been in and um yeah thank you very much for coming on the show I had a lot of fun talking to you yeah no thank you for having me and next next thing that i put out yeah hopefully i'll be back on here all right great sounds good and everybody please hit subscribe go to ratsalaryview.com and we will see you next week bye bye for all hard rock heavy metal bands needing worldwide exposure at affordable prices online metal promo pr is taking bands from the underground to above ground visit their official website at onlinemetalpromo.net onlinemetalpromo.net